podcast at Ground Zero is presented to you by the Apocalypse. Because without the Apocalypse we wouldn't be doing this show. Friends of the Apocalypse, this is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the Apocalypse for episode 81, The Blind Apocalypse. I am the Apocalypse Nerd, and he is Adam Bomb Glancy. Welcome to the Wastelands. Welcome aboard, folks. Uh, good luck finding anything here in the Blind Apocalypse. Uh, let's hope that you don't accidentally drink a glass of turpentine, mistaking it for a can of peaches. Mmm, delicious. What was it so, that uh, what was it that dog gives the guy who can't read in Boy and His Dog? It's uh, they say it's peaches, but it's actually like turnips or something or green beans. Oh no, it's uh, no. He's giving he gives him medicine to make his to make her better, and it's like PCP or something. Oh, that was in the book. Oh, oh no. Oh, Boy and His Dog. Shit. No. Um, I'm thinking. Uh, I, I was thinking of Mutant World. Sorry. Yeah, what I was trying to remember was, yes, yeah, speaking of, let, let's uh, the finish uh, Buena's Dog Thought. Buena's Dog Thought is um, the illiterate guy at the theater in the movie uh, the, uh, showing showing uh, stag films. They, they're trading canned goods to get in, and since he can't read, you know, what the, what, the, what the cans say, it's like beets or something. And he's like, it's peaches. And, yeah, peach, uh, beets are better for him. Oh, I yeah. That's the line. But um, speaking of Mutant World, I think you have uh, an announcement. Oh, no, 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 no. That's going to be on the next show. We're going to talk about that. <clears throat> All right. Fair enough. So uh, this week, folks, we are going to be doing a broad topic, which we haven't done in a while. Uh, I don't, we don't know why we didn't think of it before, but we're like, hey, let's do the blind apocalypse. Because apparently there is enough content out there now to where we could consider this a subgenre of the apocalypse and we could talk about it. Um uh, and what made me think about it was uh, recently there is now a new series on Apple TV called C as S E E. It's 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 uh, uh, it's a century. Like I, I watched the first episode because it was free. I wasn't paying for Apple TV, but I wanted to at least get a gist of the uh, thing. So it's centuries, like something like three centuries or so after. Some disease happens, everybody goes blind, you know, so um, everything's kind of a primitive society at this point. Uh, but then we also have several other films that have come out uh, about that. Like we have number one, uh, number two, we have, uh, what is it, Blindness? Uh, blindness is one of the early ones. The earliest is, of course, I, that I know of is Invasion of the Triffids from 1963. And yes, there's a plant, mutant plants show up, but the reason they're kicking our ass is because we can't see them. Because the first step is everyone loses their sight because they stood outside and looked at the meteor shower and the rays that come down from the burning meteor is, uh, end up charring our uh, rods and cones or optic nerves. And so the vast majority of the human race is stricken blind. So we have that. We have uh, 
what was it 2008 blindness blindness which was a, a, a film i think made in brazil by a, a director named let's see here uh it's fernando uh fernando Mireles, uh but it has an amazing american cast um Julianne Moore is sort of at the top of the list as the one woman who has not succumbed to the uh, plague of blindness. But, uh, you know, the other cast members are people like Mark Ruffalo playing her husband and Danny Glover's in it. Um, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, I've suddenly forgotten the name of the guy who plays the main villain. Uh, he's been in Apocalypse before. Maury Shaikin. Plays okay. uh, is sort of the antagonist. Yeah, it's, uh, it's another one that is about a plague that is sweeping through a city uh, that is making everyone go blind, and the blind are all forced into quarantine. And then, as things fall apart outside the quarantine, the blind are left on their own. Is sort of that one. Yeah. So uh, also, uh, Bird Box, uh, the recent film, and it was also originally a book. We could, even though people aren't going blind, we could still consider it a blind apocalypse because if you look at the creatures, you will uh, go mad. So, so you can't, uh, you can't uh, look at anything. So basically, you're basically, except for confined areas like the inside of your shelter. If you go outside, that really, uh, if we go out there, um, you can't see anything. So it's kind of a blind apocalypse, you know. And uh, there's things that happen in the movie uh, about, uh, you know, I think there's like a school, I think, in it, you know, spoilers, people, there's like a school of, of the blind where, you know, people, you know, they have functional uh, skills in a, in, a, in a world. And initially they were originally scooping people's eyes out, you know, to make them blind so they wouldn't go crazy. Um, if I remember, that was one of the things they did. Yeah. So uh, we have that. Um, and... And partially, uh, Scott had mentioned, uh, what was it, the Book of Eli? The Book of Eli sort of counts as a blind apocalypse, insofar as there's a blind guy in the apocalypse. Um, and sadly, I guess, one of the things that sort of bothers me about that movie is the is it goes back to the classic trope that if you're blind, uh, you immediately get superpowers. You mean you, you don't? Uh, I have checked in with some blind people, and they have said no. They really do not get kung fu superpowers. They just, that's, you know, they, like, they don't immediately become the blind swordsman. Uh, blind for, Fury, Rucker Hauer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or like Rucker Hauer in that film. Um, but apparently that's just a thing. Apparently that is a thing, whether it's Daredevil uh, or uh, uh, good old uh, Denzel Washington as Eli in the Book of Eli. Um, yeah, uh, you immediately get. Uh, amazing combat superpowers including uh the ability to use ranged weapons that's my favorite part being able to shoot people well (laughs) well, if you get uh basically i guess they develop sonar and um super hearing now i'm all in favor of some sonar and super hearing uh like a bat uh if you're gonna go with uh some sort of you know mutations or you know a gamma world you know sort of wild mutation setting that's great um, but certainly Book of Eli doesn't get set up like that. But anyways, certainly he's blind in the apocalypse, although it doesn't seem to really slow him, slow him down at all, not even speed him up. But 
regardless, the, the, the three remakes of the Triffids that we've got, the Invasion of the Triffids, the excellent 1981 TV series, and the not-so-good Day of the Triffids from 2009, all deal with a blind apocalypse. Where everyone... well, also, also note that the uh, TV series were, Brit- uh, were British. So yes. They're, they're only on BBC. So, yeah, the, the one in, in the 80s was excellent. The one uh, not in the eighties, not so. That was in the not in the eighties uh, was not so excellent. Yeah, two thousand and nine was not super duper, <laughs> sadly. Not any way, shape, or form. No. Now, mind now, mind you, with most of these uh, apocalypses, there's there's still some people who have sight uh, to help because, I mean, if you if if you had a, here's the thing, because like if you had a true like everybody's blind, which seems to be the case in C. Yeah, um, ge- generations of everybody's blind. Generation of everybody being blind. Now, mind you, in that series, uh, basically, we're down to primitive societies and villages, but they still seem to be able to do quite a bit. Uh, not, and again, not saying that blind people can't do stuff, but you know, it makes it difficult if everybody is blind. You know, not saying um, because you know you have very high functioning people. In a modern society, uh, you know, who are blind, who could get around, and you learn how to do things, but the society is still based upon having people with sight. Now, if you have a complete society where nobody can see, uh, you know, I don't know how long society is going to last, really, because if you don't have any, I mean, how do you hunt? How do you identify bad and good? Because, I mean, yeah, smell and touch and hearing, because I can see it seems like they've kind of developed. Uh, like really super hearing, uh, mm-hmm. but again, this is centuries later. So okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe after several centuries of not being able to see, that the other senses have become heightened. But again, this is centuries of breeding. You know, not just like oh, I'm blind. Hey, I can I can hear a pin drop. You know. Yeah. Well, we're a pretty smart primate, as primates go. Um, we Usually. don't, yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, we're, we're good. Good point. Uh, we sure know how to make tools like atom bombs. We're, we're just not a hundred percent, you know, sure about when we're allowed to use them. Um, but yeah, uh, I think, you know, we're, we're a pretty smart primate, you know, but the question then becomes like, you know, uh, uh, can we use our brain the same way we, we have, the sight centers of our brain and our ability to use sight is pretty astounding. I um I did some research on this for some stuff uh, related to uh, Lovecraftian monsters and Call of Cthulhu and the whole idea of how does the you know the 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 brain supplies a lot the, the brain supplies a lot of information for sight um, that the fact that we see in three dimensions is really a function of our brain interpreting the data rather than what our eyes give us. So, and, and there's a lot of stuff about eyes creating, you know, you you get these blind spots that in your eyesight that you don't, uh, that aren't blind. I mean, yeah, you can sort of force yourself not to see something using some, uh, some tricks, uh, Finding your 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 blind point on your eyes and and, and discovering, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I think I've heard I've read about that where yeah the 
the mind, uh, yeah, it fills in those gaps. Yeah, and it's not just that you know, oh, both eyes overlap, so they 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 give you this uh, binocular vision, so left eye fills in right eye's gap, and right eye. No, it's not like that. If you cover one eye, you can still find the blind spot. You know, in you can still find your blind spot, and that information is being filled in by your brain, not not by your eyes. So. So, so uh, did you hear that? No. Okay, I, I suddenly heard a, a weird sound that we can edit out. But um, whether you heard it or not. But um, so when I think about blindness, you know, I'm wondering if um, uh, because we were evolved over however many millions of years, God knows every body on the planet has eyes from bugs to leeches to, you know, to, to cetaceans and whales taking away our eyes is a big deal it's a really big deal um even with our brains our very powerful brains and our our brains predictive abilities because apparently optical illusions are caused by the human brain's ability to interpret uh uh and predict data like uh the, the example they gave was if there was a tiger uh, standing on the opposite side of a uh, of a picket fence, and you could see sort of the tiger through the holes in the fence. Your brain would not interpret that as ten different images on the other things on the other side of the fence. Your brain interprets it as that's an entire tiger moving behind the fence, and you can see parts of its uh, you know fur and its 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 fur pattern through the slats, but your brain interprets it as a full tiger, even though you're not seeing it. I don't know how would the human brain, based on our our other senses, like touch and hearing, start interpreting those sensory inputs into a kind of brain vision. Vision, vision, yeah, a vision that is only in your head, an awareness uh, that in your brain that becomes almost like a three-dimensional pattern of the world, you know. Um, the people to ask about this, of course, are the blind. Uh, and sadly, neither one of us have been blind our entire lives. I mean, I considered, again, blinding myself for the episode, but uh, that would not give me 50 years of experience interpreting this data you know well I've, and, I've, I've never heard anything like that like people i mean so, how do you get the blind to describe their world in terms that don't involve vision yeah you know um they don't they're not going to have i mean there are people who've been blind and had their sight restored i guess that would be the, the best people to ask um but my thought again is, is that uh we're so evolved to use sight. Um, I can imagine, you know, a uh, a small colony like a School for the Blind, if they could figure out, and I think they can, using uh, things, using sense of touch, using stakes and, uh, uh, you know, braille labeling. I think they could, you know, plant gardens. I don't know if they could plant whole crops. But I'll bet you they can plant gardens to grow food. I bet you they can, you know, run a chicken coop. I bet you they can, you know, uh, take care of a cow or whatever. Um, all they have to do is call them back to the barn. Cows move themselves. 
and even and even limited uh, manufacturing, but again, limited super small scale. Because anything larger than that, again, I think is all dependent on site. You mm-hmm. know, how do you you know? Because even I'm thinking, it's like, well, could they you know use a forge? Could they you know could they forge metal into tools? You know, could you know would that be possible? You know, without you know, I mean, again, this is maybe possible, but, wow. but anything. You know, you're right. Now, I, you know, I, I imagine if they're sitting there with flint and chipping away a stone axe head or a stone uh, arrowhead, it doesn't get up to melt your fingers temperature, obviously. And yeah. you can feel that arrowhead and you can feel the feathers on your arrow. I, why they would use ranged weapons, I'm not sure, but your spearhead. Or the trap you're building. If you're building a snare that's maybe uh, uh, linked with to spikes a, or something. Yeah, or a sound alarm. So it rings a bell when the animal's trapped in it or something. You know, that kind of thing sounds like something that the sightless would have no trouble putting together uh, and learning to build by touch alone. Um, and same thing with chipping or sharpening wood. You know, they can feel the uh, thing that they're building and know that it's coming along all right but boy metallurgy yipes that's tough mechanical these things are tough now mind you this see because when you have this first generation of blindness you're going to have people who are previously sighted who remember and know what things look like and they could maybe oh yeah spatially get things but then you have uh, a generation of people who are blind who are already blind, but what once you start to produce and get more children and people who grew up in a world that are completely blind, um, but they did, but there's no sighted to guide to learn things because mm-hmm. it's even everything they I think I mean I could be wrong I'm sure people but everything that the blind a lot of the stuff that the blind has you know with the way they set things up on the roads you know with the you know those yellow things with the bumps that's for blind people i didn't know if you yeah. knew that uh things like that and setting up braille and printing and stuff is dependent on Having the manufacturing work- is dependent on site yeah as working within a sighted society um you know and again we uh, uh see uh, the memo one is the only one of these that really proposes uh future generations of sightless people blindness uh the uh the julianne moore film um it's a plague it shows up People go blind. Eventually, even the people keeping the people in quarantine go blind, you know. And uh, but it turns out to be a only a temporary thing. I mean, by the end of the film, people are regaining their sight. You know, um, the uh, 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 invasion of the Triffids. There's one blindness event. Children born after that, boom, got their sight. They're up and going. They just have one generation that has the knowledge of the old world, but has a limited ability to help rebuild civilization who are sometimes considered more of a burden, you know, although I was very pleased with the whole uh, weird, you know, self-declared emergency government of England that shows up in, in the, the, the Triffitt's novel and the Triffitt's TV series talking about reestablishing the feudal order. And one of the first things they do is that every, sighted person has to what take 10 something like 10 
blind people under their and, ward. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this kind of implication that, um, sighted, uh, sighted males were worth more than, uh, blind males and that it was all about blind women because, you know, in this kind of, you know, well, we have to repopulate England, you know? Yeah. Cause they're, yeah, their, their thing was we need to get sighted children born and growing up while the generation of people still have the knowledge is around. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, had kind of a creepy prima nocta thing going on. It's like, you know, you know, congratulations, you're now a feudal lord. And, you know, you get, uh, as a bonus, you not, you you get to, since you're doing all the work and doing all the protecting and doing, you also get to have all these extra wives. And I'm like, oh, that's creepy is all get out. You know, I see your repopulation point. It was one of the things that turned up in Survivors. Yep. The classic British series. But even then, it came off a little bit creepy. The, you know, uh, when people, when modern people are confronted with this idea that, you know, we need to, we, which really means women, let's be honest, they're the ones stuck with the, the actual heavy lifting on this job. We have to start having kids as quickly as possible. And the thing that always gets me about this is, hey, doesn't anybody remember how many people die in childbirth? You know? When you start talking about, well, we need women to start, you know, being pregnant to uh, uh, replenish the population, uh, we could lose our women, you know, in childbirth if we and, rushed and, into and, something like that. And who's going to help with the childbirth? Do you have? Do you have any nurses or doctors or midwives? You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, just go, just just going with the answer. Gee, it worked out okay in the Middle Ages. Is like, yeah, but people lived to the age of. 20 you know <laughs> so maybe don't cite the middle ages as your as your your you know your your uh, goal post on that you know um but uh but yeah the um the idea of 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 surviving a one generation of blindness seems doable um, yeah but but if it's going to be a permanent thing that's when it's becomes problematic because nobody can see so it's like okay great we can adapt and learn but like I said, in, in the uh, C series, um, we're talking three centuries in and mm-hmm. everybody's everybody's blind. Uh, they seem to have more going on than just super hearing, but they w- rely heavily on smell, sound, something else like intuition. I guess they mm-hmm. hint at some kind of psychic powers almost. But some of the some of the bad guys in it are use using horses and dogs Really? Yeah, like they're using horses for transportation, and they use dogs. Um, now, that brings us to the whole thing of, like, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of seeing-eye dogs around now. But, again, that'll be good for the first generation, because how do you train? Because, again, they're being trained, uh, because we're in a, a sighted society, on what to do to help somebody without sight. If everybody has no sight, how do you train a seeing-eye dog to help at that point, you know? Well, I really like the idea of them using dogs uh, because the dogs can obviously the dogs can be their eyes. It can be a warning. Yep. Uh, dogs can protect them from uh, enemies, uh, and dogs can protect them from uh, wild, wild animals. Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, dogs is really that's that's really good. Horses. Wow. Okay. Um, I get that the horse won't run off a cliff, right? Yes. But does the horse know that it's going under low branches? You know, um, 
I get that the horse could find its way home. I've certainly gone on uh, horse riding tours when I was a kid where, you know, the horse just knew the path. And the horse would just walk around, you know. You thought you were riding, but you're not riding. You're just sitting on a horse while it does its thing, you know. Um, yeah, because that, that's the thing. Is I know they travel, in this first episode, they travel far <clears throat> to this other village that's up on this mountain. And it's like, okay, great. A, how do you know where this... I mean, again, we don't see the centuries of development. How do you know where this village is? And how do you know to get back? You know, it's like... Have they staked out landmarks? You know, it's that that's it's the to go, horses to go horses. far to go far is is a problem, you know. The horses certainly know their way back. I mean, back to their barn, back to their stall, back to where they get fed. I have no doubt that the horses could find their way back. Uh and if dogs, you know. Yeah. And same thing with dogs. Um uh and as and if you if the dogs have been taught where, and the horses have been taught where this other place is from the get-go, then, you know, maybe it can work. Um, but the idea that, whew, yeah, how do you map out your environment when you're blind? Uh, honestly, doing it with dogs and horses makes a lot more sense because, again, Dog or a horse isn't going to walk off a cliff, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, they do and have, I, and I they have that see, advantage, and I can definitely see local, small scale, around your village. You know, okay, this is you know here's you know here's where the because they also did things where they had in between uh, the one village I saw in between houses they had like a rope line, of course, like between everything, so where people could just you know kind of touch it to get direction or they had like a pole and they touch things, you know? Well, that's kind of funny to me because I'm imagining that's what you do for children. But if you're an adult in that village and you've been blind the whole time, uh, you probably, I'm imagining that you're so used to the interior makeup of your village. When you step out your door and you go to the next building, if you arrive at the building you think you're headed towards, this is Bob's cabin you know where everything is related to Bob's cabin because you've walked it for years. Yeah. You know, and you've done it with outside. And you used to walk it with the line when you were a kid, when you were learning the village. But now that you're an adult, you probably just need your stick to make sure you don't trip over anything that's in front of you. And then boom, off you go. Uh, you shouldn't even have to have a line at, uh, at the adult age. But again, getting out, I don't know, to the fields. Oh, they go. There's a point where they go out because they have a, a confrontation with the bad guys. They go out and down the side of a mountain, you know. So yeah. and, and they get back because well, I think the way they're in this kind of mountainous ravine where there's only one way in and one way out, so they can find their way there and back because there's yeah. like a big ravine on one side and stuff like that. So this is generations of uh, not being sighted, and you can see that you know society has gotten down to it seemed very they they kind of looks like they kind of tapped a little bit of a a little native american a little bit like maybe it almost seemed a little hawaiian-ish um you know like polynesian-ish kind of primitive culture just with the the way they communicated and talked and ritual and stuff like that it seemed to be you know that because so they're so they're still stone age they're they're still flint wood animal hides uh they, they they had metal they they had metal 
in this. You know, hmm. uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Samoa. Or, oh. <laughs> he had a he had like a like a some kind of pole axe kind of thing with a metal blade on the end. But again, this could have been you know a butcher knife left over from centuries. You know, or and they had helmets. And it's funny, all their helmets now were all just kind of just down to where they just left an opening because why do you need why do you need isolates because yeah yeah you can't see yeah. Um, uh, I would have loved it if Momoa's axe was made out of uh, <laughs> ice skates, like uh, Tom Hanks in, in Castaway, where he sharpens the ice skates up and attaches the blades to a to a, a, a pole or a handle. Um, yeah, no, but none, none of that. It, yeah, there wasn't inherited, very... inherited tools. That makes perfect sense, you know. But you really got me when you said forge. Now I get that. Forges are—you can feel the heat from a forge, you know, and you can. Uh, there's ways that you might be able to monitor the temperature that do not involve sight, but boy, that seems really dodgy. Yeah, to me, you know, because the, they had metal and plating, they had helmets, you know, huh? Because again, like I say, I'd. I'd uh, Boy, I'd have to go uh, hit up uh, one of uh, some SCA uh, goober to find out about uh, could you, could you, you know, anneal metal uh, or, uh, you know, what do you call it, uh, uh, forge or combine, make, uh, 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 suddenly forgotten the word. I'm about to say hybrid, but that's what you do with uh, live things. But uh, uh, could you combine metals? Uh, to uh, create new metals, could you make bronze out of tin and copper? You know, that's, uh, could you be close to that? Could you work in proximity to such a dangerous environment and not maim yourself? Because it, forges sound like a great way to maim yourself, even oh, yeah. with eyes, even well, with eyes. Well, because you can't, you can't even, you won't be able to even feel, or because you need to be able to see what you're forging. You'd have to touch it. And then how do you touch it? You know, with big, thick, insulated gloves and then what can you learn through those gloves i mean maybe basic, gloves... Ba- basic shape i think that would be it no yeah. detail yeah but um regardless uh uh the idea of multi-generational blindness um i i don't know I, it's i i am uh, perfectly willing to uh accept some alien space bat technology coming in and increasing our uh, other senses. But, man, we spent a lot of time evolving to become creatures with binocular vision. Yeah, uh, we really did. We spent a lot of time doing that, trying to to get our shit together in just a couple of hundred years seems seems like a a long shot. But you know what? Screw it. It's speculative fiction where you're supposed to speculate uh, give them their best shot at it. You know, uh, I'll admit I hadn't thought of it, uh, as a basis for a story. So, you know, uh, best of luck to the folks making, making C. Yeah. There's one, there's one whole season, uh, six episodes, eight episodes. I'm not <laughs> sure, but like the first one was free and actually I could see the second one. I'm going to watch the second one just to see where they go from there. But I don't know. I mean, Going down to a primitive society, I could see, you know, they're, they're wearing buckskins, basically, because, you know, you could probably, they could, you could still probably manage, you know, if you could kill an animal and they could probably skin it, you know, again, a lot of it's going to be trial and error in the beginning, but centuries of doing that, 
I could see, you know, the mastering those kind of skills, you know, mm-hmm. but there's definitely, again, it's tribal and primitive. There's no way you'll have any kind of an industry uh, without being cited. You know, I just don't think it's, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, if, one of the, if we can even survive that long. Yeah, yeah. One of the classic, speaking of not surviving like that long, one of the classic moments, I think, in the uh, 1981 Day of the Triffids, I sort of remember a moment where uh, our female lead, Emma, I think it's the female lead, Emma Ralph, is walking along and there's somebody trying to like op- trying to get into a can of food in the street, but it's not food. It's like, I don't know, motor oil or something, you know? And she tries to take the can away and give her give the person, the woman, okay. I think, a can of food. And she's like, no, no, don't take my, you know, she doesn't know what it is, but she 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 replaces the can of motor oil with, I don't know, green beans or whatever. And um, I'm thinking, yeah, that's going to blow. That, you know, uh, your, your, your best bet is to find the, hope you find the cans with the, the pull top. You know, and that way you can open it and then smell it and find out whether it's, you know, find out whether it's edible or not. Um, but the the effort of the, the idea that all your labeling <laughs> right down to is gone. Useless. do not drink, you know, is gone. Yes. Yeah, that's that's super bad. That oh, yeah, that's, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. I mean, it's like you might be able to find a can opener somewhere and then you can open things. But again, without having at least some sighted guide. Mm-hmm. How long is it? How long are things going to last? Uh, I'm just trying to imagine an experiment of blindfolding myself and just trying to open a can of stew, turn on the gas oven, not even make a fire, but just turn on the gas oven and cook it. Can I manage not to burn the kitchen down? And holy shit, if you know I screw up my heating, you know, or I screw up my cooking, uh, there goes my shelter. There goes I don't know blocks and blocks of 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 city or urban area because i've started a fire i mean i can't... And, and that could happen to a lot of people so there's possible that a whole city could be in flames in no time yeah and i gotta admit um there's a lot of i can think of a lot of scary things but there's very few things i can think of scarier than smelling the fire and feeling the heat but having no idea what your avenue of escape is because you've lost your sight. That's some terrifying shit to me. And especially, especially if you're in an unfamiliar environment, like if you blindfold yourself and you're in your home, you know, everything is in your house. Yeah. But, say, but say you're wandering in the streets and you wander into a house to find some food and you start burning it down. You're like, Oh fuck, where did I come in? Yeah. You know, you know what we forgot to mention, forgot to think about what Tell in blind and blind apocalypses. Holy cow, how many people are going to get blinded by the flash of a nuclear bomb? In the classic nuclear confrontation that we worried about during the Cold War, the number of blind casualties, people who are not dead, uh, maybe not even poisoned lethally by radiation, but are blinded by the flash is going to be, it's going to be bad. That's going to be through the roof. Um, There's going to be lots of people who are, Newly blind uh, because uh, because of the nukes. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know off the top of my head. I had to crack open my book, Nuclear War in the 80s, to figure out how far away can you be blinded by a flash from an airburst. And 
still survive the radiation, the initial burst of radiation or the heat or the overpressure. Because I'm betting the blindness can affect people much further away than a lot of those effects. Oh, yeah. I think it can. I think I've read that somewhere. I have a couple of those books on my shelf, too. But the thing is, these are all one generation of blindness type scenarios. Unless it's something that makes the blindness permanent, you know, there'll be some kind of recovery and rebuilding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People from people who may be blinded in the first generation simply become resources of information. They might be able to teach skills. Um, they might be able to, uh, you know, pass on, they'll be able to pass on information. Um, there'll be, uh, 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 a representation of the previous golden age. You know what I mean? Cause they remember <laughs> television or, you know, uh, video games or the landing on the moon. But, um, but yeah, uh, uh, the, 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 I, I will, I will definitely take a look at see, uh, look at see. I'll take a peek at see. And see what boy, I keep that that, oh. <laughs> that damn title. Okay, I will take some time to watch the TV series known as C, so that I can make a judgment about how they've done with it. But um, all the other blind apocalypses are things where the apocalypse is a blind thing. Bang! It affects everyone except the small group of survivors. Uh, the sighted, much like in the uh, other apocalypses where. There's always a small group who isn't affected or isn't going to be affected by the disease or we're out of range of the bombs or, you know, that kind of thing. And then you sort of proceed from there. Um, And 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 the key thing you said is also the previous generations have knowledge. So if, you know, they start having children and raising the children who can see and if you have some people are sighted, besides having their knowledge, they can then direct them to look. Let's teach you how to, you know, some of the sighted people could try to teach the the new generation to read. Because, look, here are these libraries with knowledge. This is where we need to have to rebuild. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one because of all the skills that the blind can communicate. Learning to read Latin text uh, would be the toughest. Uh, Letters, you know. You'd have to start with uh, uh, literally shapes of letters in a like like not alphabet blocks i guess maybe you could mail maybe you could feel the surface and feel this is an a you know Uh, but you'd have to transfer that knowledge from the three-dimensional object that feels like an a to the printed page um, page which is a a, that's a that's a good size leap not impossible but it's going to be tough well yeah but you're but yeah you're having yeah having the blind teach the sighted children to read would be a huge task. That's again, these are these situations where there are some people with sight left who that would be their task. And if you could teach them to read and access to the knowledge along with this, you know, even the blind survivor's knowledge, there could be some kind of rebuilding. It's just these situations, like you said, where it's, it's permanent. There's no more sight. That's where everything collapses. I don't think we could really get past. I don't, I don't see us getting past that more than a, a generation or two. Cause then it's like, I don't see how, they're going to survive centuries without that, without tools, without being able to see and make things. And, and they said the gardening and the stuff, it's going to be, that's, that's a tough one. It's like, you know, could that really happen? Could we Mm -hmm. really survive that? Well, you know, um, 
the idea of uh, the the site centers of that there's just a disease that chews on the site centers of the human brain or chews on the optic nerve. Um, first of all, I get that we are not Greenland sharks. I'm just going to establish that humans are not Greenland sharks. But uh, the Greenland shark spends its time under the ice pack in total darkness, hunting and feeding down there with its, its super sense of smell and its weird... Uh, nerve that runs down its body that can feel vibrations in the water, its sense of touch, its sense of smell. Um, and its eyes are mostly useless. But the super weird thing about their eyes is apparently there's some sort of worm or crustacean parasite whose only habitat is the eyes of Greenland sharks. That's the only group of animals it bothers. Uh, it gets into their eyes and makes a home in them and blinds them relatively quickly in their lives. So even though they're in pitch blackness under the ice pack, uh, you know, operating not with their eyes, something comes along and screws with their eyes, which they weren't using anyways, I guess. Um, it's just a really weird, I'm just throwing that out as a really weird thing where an animal has had a blind apocalypse. A creature has come along to make a home in its eyeballs and it just doesn't care. <laughs> it just could care less about it, this. It's bl it's blinding you, but you're not using your sight anyway, so it's kind of weird. You're right. Yeah. And yeah. Well, but also they could survive this because they have these other senses to detect food, because all they're doing is swimming around and just gobbling things up. Yeah, they smell it. They don't they... have to they don't have to build or read or manufacture. They're just eating what's in front of them. That's yeah. all they yeah. have to do. Yeah, and uh, they got that digestive system where they can they can eat some shit that's been rot that's rotten, and they don't care. They don't care how long it's been there. They can woof it down and digest the hell out of it. Uh, all they got to do is sniff their way to uh, you know uh, food and sniff their way to other Greenland sharks to have sex with. That's their only mission. Uh, so it ain't like us. But again, I throw it out as a weirdness. Have we mentioned um, uh, this? This th speaking of um, uh, this blind apocalypse, uh, ran across a um, a uh, uh, Octavia Butler story called "Speech Sounds" from 1983. Have I mentioned it before? No. It's the aphasia apocalypse. I haven't seen this from anybody else, so I'm throwing it out here as a as a weird one. And it was an apocalypse story set three years after an aphasia apocalypse, a, a disease that causes a stroke in the speech centers of the brain. And so no one can talk anymore or nobody can string words together in a way that makes sense, you know? Uh, and it even affects the people's ability to read because the words that we have in our brain for objects suddenly have been detached from the concepts of that object. So you can say fork, but you don't know what fork means anymore, you know? And so civilization has sort of, uh, in some ways, collapsed and wound down, and uh, people uh, carry necklaces uh, in, the, in the, the, the crap sack future of Los Angeles. Uh, you know, people carry necklaces that symbolize who they are, you know, uh, for people and, uh, uh, people can't read. So, uh, 
markets have signs up that are just pictures of what they will take and trade for things, you know. Um, but, then again, sort of, but, but again, yes, it's speech, but you still have the use of your eyes. Yeah, yeah, That's, I'm just sure. I, I, was like, I, th- I think we could. I think we could adapt to the speech problem better than sight or even even hearing. I I, I don't know. I just think sight oh, yeah. is, the I, key, is the major is the major downfall. I agree with you. An idea of an apocalypse where you can't hear or don't want to hear. You know, um, like the apo- Oh, uh, you know, not wanting to hear reminds me of. Uh, uh, of things like, uh, gee, what was it? Uh, Cell was the Stephen King novel about the signal that comes through the the cell phones that uh, scrambles everybody's brain and makes them violent. So you don't want to hear because yeah. heaven forbid somebody plays that on a loudspeaker or something. Um, and what was the, the the really micro budget film that was made by three directors? Was it The Signal? Uh, yes. You know, that yeah. was kind of, in, in a way that was kind of a deaf apocalypse because what you wanted to do was not hear it. To survive was to plug your ears like you like Odysseus, you know, sailing by the island of the sirens and don't hear the don't hear the problem. Um, but, but again, could, the, that, but again that these are all so, these are all things so much, we could get we could get past, I think. That sounds so much easier than a permanent blind apocalypse. That just sounds like that's up there with mankind not being able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, the, where sleep apocalypse, which we've we I think we've mentioned that before. Yeah, where you're just we're done in we're done in a matter of days or weeks on that one. Yeah. Um, uh, sleep apocalypse. The, the blind apocalypse sounds like something you could maybe get through a couple of generations, but it feels like you'd just be shrinking. You know, every generation would be a little bit smaller. Uh, I do not know how you counter the fact that we are creatures of sight. Um, our sight is key because could people do gardening could people do the yes i think we could but it's like where do you find the seed where do you get it to plant you know like i said i think populations are going to be severely reduced by the time we figure these things out yeah and the only people who are going to have head start is anyone uh who's a blind and b has been trained in a rural lifestyle a rural self-sufficient lifestyle because all of the complexity of modern society would come to a screeching halt as it usually does in an apocalypse. Um, but even and, more so because yeah. it's like, like you can't scavenge for the food to find, Oh, that's fine. That's good. Or, Oh, look, we can take the car and drive somewhere and get some gas. None of that exists anymore. You are yeah. basically stumbling around. So, um, I, I, I think, and, and again, it's it, the, the number of the amount of food that could be eaten easily right after things go in this boom, everyone's blind tomorrow. The amount of food that can be eaten is gone in days or weeks, as far as what you have in your house. And, uh, you know, the power goes out. We've always talked about how long it takes the power to go out, you know, in certain areas, um, without new crops being brought in. The first thing that hits a blind apocalypse, if everybody's blind, is famine. Yeah, you know, and you're always saying, "Well, that that's any apocalypse." Yeah, but especially an apocalypse that doesn't kill anyone. You know, the blind apocalypse is going to cause some casualties. Cars, uh, everyone who's driving at the moment, uh, anyone who's a, flying an airplane is in an airplane. Anyone who's at sea 
is probably, you know, in a lot of trouble. Uh, can you imagine? Oh man, you do not want to be the crew of a submarine on patrol when everyone goes blind. Yeah, you know they might be able to get to they might be able to get to the surface, but what do you do after that? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm thinking, you know, um, you have all these mouths to feed. The food supply is going to vanish. The scavengeable food supplies just vanish very fast. And you're the one who's always talking about, gee, did we have to turn to cannibalism so fast? Holy cow. Is cannibalism going to be a thing in the blind apocalypse? Because there's going to be all this food walking around saying, hello, where is everybody? You know, you got a better chance of finding people and killing them than you do animals. Or, or, or just food in general. Because besides, you know, the cars and planes and boats... Just how many people are just going to die from run-of-the-mill accidents? Just basic accidents, you know, or eating the raw, eating poison, or eating the, anything. There's going to be a lot of casualties just from accidents. The blind are actually going to be way out ahead of this and be much better at surviving that than uh, the rest of us because uh, we'll be new to the problem and they'll, be, they'll have been training their whole life for this apocalypse. And the, those of us who have eyes now are probably dead men right off the bat. Um, in fact, one of the things that um, got a lot of grumpiness from various group, uh, advocacy groups from the blind was that uh, in the movie Blindness, uh, you know, Julianne Moore wants to go with Mark Ruffalo, her husband, who has gone blind into the uh, quarantine to help look after him. Um, and one of the, as, as things break down and food supplies stop being sent in from the outside, uh, a gang takes over, uh, you know, this, uh, this, the cell block. Um, and one of the guys who's sort of behind these gangs is, uh, Maury Shaiken, who again was the survivalist in, uh, DEFCON 4. Yes. Uh, and, uh. And also Nero Wolf, but he plays a guy who was blind before this started, and he is now the king. He is the he is the man, the one-eyed man in the kingdom of the blind, right? So he is actually running one of the gangs in the quarantine area. And some people are like, "Well, why'd you so unfair? You made the blind guy a villain." And I'm just like, "Well, it, he's a person. He's made out of meat like the rest of us. He's descended from the same primates as the rest of us. Um, there's no reason why uh, he wouldn't use his advantage to his advantage in that situation. People. Oh yeah. Are, he yeah. has all, he has all the advantage. Yeah. So um, in that situation, yeah, the blind are the ones who are not going to be tripping on manhole covers or falling down open manholes and breaking their legs. Um, they're going to have, their dogs. They're going to have their canes. They're going to have their their house completely memorized, and their neighborhoods. You know, they're not just trapped in their houses. And and just a basic knowledge of how to navigate in a, a in a blind world. They know how to they know how to do it. Yeah, and for them to survive 10, 20 years after it, you know, I I have no problem seeing. Um, the, the big thing is they have to get out of the cities so they don't die from all the p corpse piles that are building up yeah. in the city so they don't get typhus or cholera. They've got to avoid the, the people who've turned, you know, cannibal because the food supply has vanished, you know, overnight. Um, you know, they've got to worry about things like 
feral pets like everybody else would. But if they can get out of the city, and if they have any ability to find their way or navigate to a uh, uh, one of these uh, uh, some rural setting where they can find some acreage that they can plant some some potatoes and some greens and whatever in a garden, they're they they you know that that's they could make it. You know, they could actually make it a couple of generations, but boy, it would be tiny pockets of people surrounded by just wilderness, you know? Yeah, because uh, cause they could pass on their knowledge to future generations. But again, like you said, I think it, small enclaves at best. Yeah, yeah, with a lot of problems with inbreeding because their, their, uh, their gene pools are going to be so tiny. Well, that brings out whole other problems, but that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, with a lot of regressive genes coming up because you've got 30 or 40 people. That seems like a nice start. Oops. You know, it only takes a couple generations where you, hmm, we're, we're, getting, a, we're getting a lot of, we're getting way past just having to marry your cousin, you know. Um, it, no, matter, no matter how you try to selectively... Uh, manage uh, the breeding, it's still yeah. going to catch up to you eventually. Yeah. Um, so, which is always the problem with any kind of micropopulation apocalypse. But this one seems like a big number of apocalypses where it's going to get the poor Inuit, it's going to get the, the, the tribesmen on the Adaman Islands who've had no contact with civilization, you know, those guys that throw spears at anyone who comes on their island, those poor bastards are going to get it, you know? And so are the uncontacted uh, Indians in the Amazon rainforest. And, you know, when it's down to that level and everyone's going to, this seems like a super high casualty apocalypse. Yes, I think, I think numbers will be decimated rapidly i think you know because i think i think i think in c they said they were down to after a few centuries a, a two million world population mm. okay that's that's an empty planet yeah <laughs> that's, very that's empty a, that's an empty planet kids and that, that even that seems kind of high to me you know yeah. but uh yeah i um yeah, that is that's yeah, that's rough. So as apocalypses go, it looks it's a big one because boy, not only is the living population going to turn on itself pretty quickly, uh, and end up causing casualties amongst the only population who's who's been pre-trained for this apocalypse, the, the blind, the previously blind. Yeah, that's but gonna be super rough. But then the key, also the key to this is, is this a <clears throat> a one-shot blindness to where it's just the current population and then future generations can see? Or is it uh, for good blindness? That's going to that's gonna determine survival, mm. long-term survival. Yeah. So, but I think, I think a permanent humans have lost their ability to see kind of apocalypse would be massively devastating if we can. I don't know realistically if we could survive it in the long yeah. term. Because even with these small populations of survivors, um, as you said, the great, we've got 40 people. Could we, in the, in, in, in the short long term, create enough of a viable population that doesn't have all these regressive diseases, you know, 
and defects that that would whittle out and would, would would weaken the population even more. I don't mean to go all eugenics, but um, you know, the last thing you need to be is a blind person with hemophilia. So that every time you cut yourself while feeling around and using your sense of touch, you're you're in even worse shape. You know, well, and that and that's also when if a stranger comes along your village, they're as good as gold. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna have to stave. That 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 ritual has to happen. Congratulations. Uh or if it's and if it's a woman, they don't get to leave. I mean, you have to have new blood. Um you know, uh, they're like, yeah, that's that's tough. That's nasty. There'd be really weird. There'd be really weird cultural things about um, uh, touch. Oh, that's another thing. Wow, inappropriate touching. You know, the, 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 we we live in a a, a a society of boundaries, a physical space that we want to occupy. That that would disappear. Um, it would have to disappear. People would cling to each other. You know, for safety, hold hands while walking. Men would hold hands while walking to keep track, keep each other close, you know. Um, all those sort of taboos about holding or touching or keeping a, uh, a hand on somebody would vanish. It really would. That I hadn't even thought of. Oh, yeah, because uh, that's because besides your hearing and smell and taste, touch is, is going to be essential to your survival. Because if you can't at least feel what's around you, you know, you're 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 pretty much done because you have to be able to at least touch and pick things up and identify and move. And um... there's a there's a, a particular genetic disease. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it affects your nerve endings and it means you can't yep. feel physical pain. And it, it usually leads to people getting cut and getting infections or even simple getting... neuro- or even just simple neuropathy. Yeah. Yeah. It leads to cuts that you don't notice that lead to gangrene, lead to sepsis, and then you're dead. You know, and by the time you, I mean, if you don't have your nerves, your t- sense of touch to identify how that's an infective spot, heaven forbid you only notice it when you smell it. Yeah. That what's, is, that, what's that? Ooh, that's rotten. <laughs> yeah, that, that went south of cheese, if I may quote, um, what's the name from uh, uh, Band of Brothers? Uh, yeah, that is south of cheese. Um Yes. Anyways, uh, have have we stomped the blind apocalypse into the dirt? I I think we Blind, blindly blindly. blindly. <laughs> well, I think we've covered uh, a lot of the at least some of the stuff that's out there and the, a lot of the problems with it. And like like I said, in summary, short term blindness for one generation again I think is very survivable. Um, it's just a, I think that a permanent human not being humans not being able to see anymore. Uh, I don't know if we'd be able to survive that long term. So uh, definitely a lot of challenges with that one. Uh, again, I would take a hearing or speaking apocalypse over a blind apocalypse any day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I just and I was just thinking about noisemakers, like trying to find each other with an air horn or a whistle. They, or... They, see, they use horns a lot to signal yeah. and make and uh, say certain things over distance. All right, that that the cool that makes sense. Um, yeah, I was wondering if that's the sort of thing that would how much would the classic horn or whistle or or you know those kind of noisemakers become a thing uh, in a society that even a temporary society uh, a, a, a lifeboat full of blind people how much would that be uh, a part of their society and singing you know and maybe music 
maybe that's a big deal because you can't read a story. Maybe singing songs becomes more of a, a thing because it's songs help as a mnemonic, right? To remember things. Ooh, yeah. So maybe certain recipes or certain survival hints or certain survival things that the generations train each other on. If, if Braille isn't a big thing, uh, songs suddenly become a thing to pass on. Oh, you know what? Now I remember there is one thing that they do. They communicate with messages. They don't, they don't have Braille. They use knotted uh, string. Oh, communicate messages. Yeah. Like the Inca. That's, that's sweet. Okay, cool. That's cool. Um, Yeah. uh, That, yeah, that's cool. Um, But, but anyways, um, yeah, uh, uh, the, uh, again, I'm seeing this more as a lifeboat scenario than C does with a whole continuing civilization that's 300 years later. I'm imagining two, three generations, maybe four, uh, you know, of, of, of survival uh, and adapting to the environment, but still having a, an ever-shrinking pool of, of isolated groups of people who can't travel long distances. You said they got to stay within their zone and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, let's, uh, I think we have, in fact, at this point, now that we brought up horns and music and song, I think we have completely, uh, uh, felt around the sides of this elephant and identified it as four trees, uh, a snake and a, a, a brush. I think, is that how it works? Oh, I think it's something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we've I think we've plumbed the uh, the benighted depths of the blind apocalypse. So we now give everybody something to think about for sure. So prepare yourself to be blinded. Yep, yep. All right, folks, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, next up, next episode we're going to do is going to be uh, uh, another off topic because we got a bunch of various different things to talk about. So we're going to do an off topic. So uh, that's it, folks. So just uh, wait with anticipation for that. So uh, this is the Apocalypse Nerd and Adam Bomb Glancy saying thank you and good night, and we'll see you in the wastelands. This episode of Podcast at Ground Zero has been brought to you by Hobo Soup. Hobo Soup, when you have to make do with what you got. Now available in Apocalypse size. Keep up to date with us by visiting podcastatgroundzero.com and subscribe to the blog via email.